Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Celebration Church. We're so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Joel, and we're continuing our series, ending our series, called Beautiful Resistance today. And I'm glad you're here. If only I could figure out where to put all my stuff on this thing. And... Uh, we're going to get rolling. Um, this is a good day to be here. There we go. We got it right way up. Okay. Um, and so we've been going through a series, which we're wrapping up, called Beautiful Resistance, all about resisting uh, what the culture uh, would say and impact on us uh, in order to be more like Christ, to follow his words. And uh, it's the last day of this series because next week's our car show. And uh, yeah, so exciting. After two years of not having that car show, it's so great to have it back. And it's been a great response from the community. People excited about coming. So many registrants and uh, answered even just uh, talking to a lot of different people today, answered a lot of questions about it. And people are excited, curious uh, about it. So it's fun to have that back. Hey, we're going to read just one scripture together as a church. I'm going to ask, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're all going to read the word of God together. Um, the reason I want you to do that this morning is because I want you to get God's word into your heart, not my word into your heart. I want to make sure that you get the word of God and, and saying it out loud helps you believe it, helps you remember it, and uh, it fills you with faith. So we're going to read Romans 15, 13. If you have a version version app on your phone, we're going to read the Christian Standard Version. Um, you can pull it up on there, Romans 15, 13. Or if you have your paper Bible, you could read uh, whatever translation you have. Um, but we're going to read it out loud together. It's also going to be on the screens. So um, you can read it that way as well. So let's read one, two, three. Let's read together. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was pretty good. You guys are much better than the second, first service. I'll just say that. Um, much better looking and that you're better at reading, apparently. So um, let's, let, but let's read it together. Let's read it together like we drank like five of those Tim Beebs brews on the way to church this morning. And we're excited about what God has to say to us. Come on, let's read it together. One, two, three. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good, hey? That's awesome. The God of hope. Is that how you see God, that he's a God of hope? What do you think God is like? What is your, what's sort of the filter that you look at God through? What's your opinion of God? Is God happy? Is God in a good mood? Is God one of the veggies on Veggie Tales? Is he like, you know, the pumpkin? Is he the biggest one? Is, is, is God filled with joy? Or is God judgmental? Is God, you know, a God who wants to punish you? Is God angry? Is God upset at what you've done with your life and the way the world is headed? Sometimes the assumption is that God must be unhappy because he doesn't seem to show up when we ask him to. We can so easily get cynical about God's activity in our life because of the unanswered prayers that we have. And what happens is, as time goes and as maybe God uh, seems to let us down or not answer us in the way we've asked him uh, to answer us, 
we can become riddled with a lack of expectation for God. And our posture towards God and towards people even can often, if we're not careful, our posture can be, eh, we'll see. You know, I'm going to show up at another church service. We'll see what happens, I guess. I don't know. See if they get us out in time for some IHOP after. I don't know. We'll see. Ah, we'll see. We'll see what, I don't know. We'll see what God does. This is what I'm planning on doing, but eh, we'll see. You know, this is what I think we should do. We'll see. See, there's a comfort in that posture towards life and towards people, isn't there? Because if there's no expectation, there can be no disappointment. If we don't expect God to do anything, well, God will never let us down. There's like a comfort in that. How many people know? We, we, we probably have people in our lives like that. I don't expect anything from them because I don't want to be disappointed. And if we're not careful, we train ourselves to start to think that way. It's just constantly, meh, we'll see. See if God's got time to bless me. See if his presence shows up. I don't know, maybe he's mad. Maybe we didn't organize things well enough. But our posture could be, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what God's going to do. This is my plan. I bet you God's got something better than that. You know, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. This is what I think is going to happen, but who knows? When I include God in this, who, who knows? He might take it in another different direction. That's going to be way better. Who? We'll just have to wait and see. Can I just say to you this morning, you should expect God to cover you, God to protect you, and God to care for you. And if we're not careful, we train ourselves to only look for the bad of what's happening in the world, not what God is doing in our lives. We can, we can get so wrapped up to, in, into what is on this thing all the time and having this in front of our face and what's happening now. Oh my gosh, the Lord has left us. You know, this is terrible. I can't believe this. And instead of having this in front of our face to remind us, this is what God says. We can get so wrapped into this that we forget about what's in this. I'll just give you a little, I'm just going to give you a little warning at the start of this service. I'm very excited to preach today. I have not been in church for two weeks. And I'm like, get me back. I even lowered the thing. Okay, whatever. I'll figure it out. All right. See, we can only see what we allow ourselves to see. So what are you going to allow yourself to see? <laughs> your, what are you going to allow yourself to see? Your disappointment? Your offense? Your pain? What are, what are you going to allow yourself to see? There's always a bigger picture to look for. But we often become so cynical, don't we? We become so cynical and, and cynicism easily slips into our hearts and our minds and it makes us think about us all the time. It makes us think about, Ugh, what's the point? What's the point of taking a risk? What's the point of doing something for somebody else? What's the point? I'm always disappointed. You know, what's the, what's the point of putting in the effort? That person always acts like this. But the scriptures declare that God is good. That there is a point in putting in effort. That there is a point in having faith. The scriptures declare that God is good. And his goodness is beyond what we can even comprehend. I'll give you a little simple example of God's goodness. That Moses made a point of pointing out to us in the very first book, every first page of your Bible, wherever it is, that 
Moses, we're going through Genesis, talking about God creating the earth. And at the end of each day, it says, God saw that it was good. At the end of every day, God saw the light. He said, this is good. You know, the next day, he made the waters to cease. He said, this is good. I'm going to put some turtles in there after. It's going to be beautiful. And you guys are going to kill them with all your straws, you terrible people. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, God made, the, God made the fruits and the trees, and he saw it was good. And then God, you know, he saw these birds. He says it was good. God, he just keeps saying, God saw that it was good. Listen, God is a good God. He made good things, and he's going to be good to you. The writer keeps confirming God is good. That's the same good God that we serve. He made the whole world good. He's going to be good to you. Luke chapter 15, we're going to read uh, the story of the prodigal son, it is known as. And often you'll hear um, this story, you, you talk, talk quite a bit about the son and the father and that relationship. And, and uh, so what happens is the son, he uh, leaves home and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Okay? I'm not going to wait for you to die. You know, it's nicer than killing you. Just give me my inheritance now, okay? This is the better thing to do. Um, but he says, you know, give me my inheritance now. I'm going to go off and, and live my life. And so the dad gives his son his inheritance. He goes, he makes a mess of his life, loses all the money. And then he comes back home. And this is where we're going to uh, pick up the story is he comes back home and the dad's so excited. He runs out to the field. He gets his son. He comes back and he starts throwing him a party. And, and this is where we're going to uh, read from this morning. Luke chapter 15, 25 to 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and he came near the house. Um, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants, and he asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and he, um, and he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Anybody have an older brother? You got an older brother? I have an older brother as well. I have an older brother, and I am an older brother, and I'm currently raising an older brother. I, I consider myself an expert on older brothers. Um, can I tell you, can I just tell you, you probably already know this, but for those of you who don't have an older brother, let me just tell you the problem with older brothers. Now, keep in mind, I am one, okay? So I'm hating on myself as well. But they, older brothers forget that as they grow, you as the younger sibling also grow as well. They don't realize they're not the only ones growing up. Uh, the other thing about older brothers is they always think that they work harder than everybody else. They always think that they're the hardest worker in the family, right? And, and therefore, they, they deserve so much more than everybody else. Older brothers are entitled. 
But what happens is there's a lot of things that happen in an older brother's life that are breeding grounds for cynicism. Breeding grounds for thinking that they are better than everybody else. Breeding grounds for thinking, I know that this person doesn't have good intentions because I know I've, I've, seen, I've seen all the other stuff they do. I've seen all the immaturities in them. Can I just suggest to you this morning that we might all have a little older brother in us? We, we might have a little bit of this older brother operating in, in us. Let's call it OBS. <laughs> the older brother syndrome. <laughs> a little close to IBS. We don't want that. Um, but we also don't want OBS. Everybody say, I don't want OBS. I don't want OBS. All right, that's good. And see, what happens is we don't see our blessing because of our cynicism. And we, tr- we, we must train ourselves to look for the, good, the, look for the bigger picture of what God is doing. We have to train ourselves not just to see the little negative things, but look for the bigger picture of what God is doing. That's a resistance to culture. It's a resistance to cynicism. It's saying, I got to see the bigger picture. You know, this week, something amazing happened to my wife and I. On Tuesday, we were moving into our new home. And we've been so excited. Oh, we've been so excited. I mean, like we, we yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, and, uh, and, and we bought this house in February. We finally get to sleep in it on Tuesday night. It was just so excited to finally get this chance to be there. And I, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but it was just amazing how God worked through every aspect of that, how God just blessed us, how God put the right people in our lives at the right time for it to all just work out and even the sale of our own house. It was just amazing. God's hand was on it the whole way. And looking back, I'm just like, oh my gosh, only God could have done this and yada, yada, yada. It was amazing. But as we moved into that new house on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know the only thing I could think about in those three days? You know, you'd think you'd be like, oh, how good this house is. This is amazing. How, what, how blessed you are. How much more space your family has. You know, that, you'd think that's what I would be thinking about. You know what I thought about on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, pretty much like all the time whenever I had brain space for it? The fact that the neighbor was parked in front of our house. <laughs> that's how petty I am, FYI. Uh, but I know you are too. Some of you dads out there are like, who's parking in front of my house? Um, but come on, isn't that a picture of how we can be sometimes? That God is doing something tremendous. And God is blessing us. And God is taking care of us. And God has his hands on our lives. Well, what are we doing? Looking out the window. Is that truck still there? And if we aren't careful, if we allow this to operate in our lives, if we don't resist against that, what happens is that our focus gets, our focus gets on inconvenience to inconvenience to inconvenience. And every time God solves a problem, every time God opens a door, our focus is on the next issue that arises in our life. We got to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. How do we do that? How do we resist this? Through celebration. Now, celebration sounds fairly easy and straightforward, doesn't it? Celebrating is good. But how often is our response to someone else's success not a celebratory one, but a cynical one? Well, you know, that good thing might be happening for them, but that's because, you know, life is so much easier for them. That's because, you know, they have, did you know that their parents inherited a bunch of money? 
Okay? Did you, do you know how much easier it is? You know, whatever. We always have some reason that, you know, we can't, you know, our lives aren't going the direction we want, but, you know, and we, we discount other people's success. Or we say, oh, when is, when's it my turn? They didn't deserve that. Come on now. You know, you hear people talk this way. I talk this way. It's dumb. And as we celebrate people, it's a resistance of that. If you want to be celebrated, you need to be celebrating. If you're not happy with how, you know, people are treating you and people are responding to the good things that are happening in your life, stop asking about if you're going to be celebrated and just decide you're going to be celebrating of other people. If you want to be celebrated, you need to be celebrating. Cynicism is a common, comfortable response that we use to protect ourselves and hide behind. But celebration is resistant and it's defying of what we see in our culture. It's defiant of what we see in our culture. You ever watch this show, this show um, TMZ? You ever watch that show? They always like stand around in the office and uh, they talk about like different celebrity gossip. And then one guy always has the cup with the straw. He goes, if you've seen the show, I don't know. Maybe he never took a sip of it. He always just held that cup. But um, if you, I, I always watch this on sick days, so it's ingrained in my mind. If you don't know what TMZ is, I don't know. I need Jesus, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but this show is basically all about just like celebrity gossip and slander and all like, oh, that bad thing happened. Oh, that terrible thing happened. And it's funny. We just find comfort in uh, seeing other people's downfalls and issues and how they've all messed up. But celebration chooses a different path forward. And it is a massive definer in what makes us different from the rest of the world. It's how we resist how so many other people are living their lives and then looking through a filter of negativity. And if we're going to resist the culture around us, then we must stay committed to the discipline of celebration. The discipline of celebration. Now, we don't really think of celebration as a discipline, do we? We often see celebration as a response to joy and happiness. But what have we thought of celebration as a discipline that keeps our lives away from cynicism? What if we saw it as a, a way to ensure that the Holy Spirit was operating in our lives? What if we saw celebration as a way to ensure that we keep our happiness and joy flowing throughout our lives through every day? I'm going to celebrate you even if I think you don't deserve it. We all have something incredible to learn from the Father in this story. His first response to the son that came home was celebration. Can I just tell you this morning, if you're in church today, if you're sitting here or you're watching online, you haven't been in church for a while, and your opinion of what was going to happen here today was that your life is like a credit card. And as you go through life and do wrong things, you start to rack up things on the credit card. And today, you came to church, and finally, God's going to make you pay for all the things that are on that credit card. If that's the way your life is, can I just tell you something? That's not who God is. Who God is is the Father in this story. His first response to you isn't correction, isn't to make you pay, isn't to ensure that you're held accountable for all the wrong that, God, that you've done in your life. God's first response to you is celebration. I'm so glad you're in the house. I'm so glad that we're connecting this morning. I'm so glad you're in my presence. I love you. You're welcome here. That's what God is like. So are you going to be the father or the older, or the older brother to the people in your life? What's your position on the people in your life going to be this week? The father or the older brother? The father resists culture 
the older brother is exactly what we see in culture. And you have to train yourself that celebration is a discipline, not just a response. You have to stay committed to celebration even when you don't feel like it. You know, recently I had a couple of days that I just felt off and I felt awful. I was not happy. I was not pleased. I responded poorly to um, just a situation that was happening in my life. I was just cynical. I was just angry. And I, I just, I started one day like this and I, I just, I don't know why I couldn't see the bigger picture. I couldn't celebrate. I was just not having it. And the next day came along, I started to feel this way again. Just angry, cynical. I just could not shake this feeling of, of, of just almost like a darkness that had come over me. I just, I just, I couldn't be happy. I couldn't celebrate anything. And all of a sudden, as the third day began that I was feeling like this, I started going to, into day three of this. It happened for two days straight. And on day three of this, I just made a decision as the day started and I started to act the same way I'd been acting the two days before. As the day begun, I just said, no. I have to resist. I'm going to celebrate. And it was nothing that changed around me that, would, that started to change my heart and my attitude and my response. It was just, it was nothing that changed around me. It was everything that changed in me. That I made a decision, no, I'm not going to be cynical. I'm going to celebrate. Because celebration is a discipline before it's a natural response. It's a discipline that must be learned and practiced like every other discipline. This discipline is so important because it will actually change your brain. Now, we, we talked about this about a year and a half ago. We did a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we talked a lot about the brain in that series. We read a lot of different studies and kind of just went through a lot of stuff about, you know, different, different studies that were, took place on the brain. And so we know that our brains can change when behavior is repeated. We don't have time to go into all those studies today. But basically, we can actually create almost little trenches in our brains when we repeat the same behavior over and over and over. And it actually gets easier for us to um, uh, do that behavior when, once we've done it over and over and over again. I know that sounds uh, pretty simple, but um, there's actually studies on uh, addiction that reveal this. That once you've, you've done it again, it becomes easier. Again and again, it becomes easier for us to do it. But it doesn't just work for addiction. This also works in the area of celebration. And neurobiologists have shown that while the majority of the brain's development stops during childhood, um, there's one location in the right orbital prefrontal cortex that has the ability to grow throughout the rest of your life. And they call it the joy center of your brain. And the practice of celebration actually strengthens the joy center of your brain. And this transforms your entire outlook on life. You can actually create almost a trench in your mind when you decide to be disciplined and stay dedicated to celebration. It will change the entire outlook of your life. This is why the discipline of celebration is so important. It cannot be a response. It also has to be a discipline in your life. Your life might not be as bad as you think it is. You just might be undisciplined. I'll just I'll tell you this, that hope, hope is contagious. 
And hope is exactly what God offers us. Let's go back to Romans 15, 13. It's the God of hope. And through the Holy Spirit, he gives that to us. And giving thanks is contagious. These are disciplines. They're not just natural responses. And it can be a a difficult uh, task when we don't like or see what's happening around us. But this is why we keep our minds and our hearts fixed on God's word so that um, we are disciplined in the task of celebration. We're disciplined for it. Here's God's promise to you. This is why you can celebrate. Here's God's promise to you. I want to read from you Psalms 144. Can I do that this morning? Come on, we're almost done in church. And you're going to go outside and enjoy that sun. Uh, but first, you have to enjoy the sun, S-O-N, before you can enjoy the S-U-N. Jesus, oh, yeah. Psalm 144. Sorry, why did I dance like that? Just read the psalm, you idiot. Okay. Um, Okay, then your sons, then your sons, okay, we got to read this Bible, and then we're going to get out of here. Then your sons will be like plants, nurtured in their youth, our daughters like corner pillars that are carved in the palace style. Come on, let's read, really, like, let's, let's just take this in. Okay, whatever. Our storehouses will be full. No matter how high the gas price gets, our storehouses will be full. This is the word of God, supplying all kinds of produce. Our flocks will increase by thousands and tens of thousands in our open field. Our cattle will be well fed. There will be no breach in our walls, no going into captivity, and no cry of lament in our public squares. Happy are the people with such blessings. Happy are those whose God is the Lord. That's the promise for your life. So you got to get the discipline of celebration, but you also got to cultivate a culture of celebration. It's not just about you. It's not just about your discipline of celebration. It's about you being disciplined in celebration and then going and cultivating the culture of celebration around you. So you can't just celebrate when you're in the right culture for it. Sometimes you have to cultivate the culture for it. Because the fruit of cynicism is anger, it's depression, it's hopelessness, it's things that God does not offer. It's not a reflection of Jesus. But the fruit of celebration is joy, it's happiness, it's peace. Uh, I, I mean, it's the things that the Holy Spirit promises that will be in us. So you cannot just wait to be celebrated. You have to create a culture of celebration. Why do we keep waiting for people to celebrate us? Throw your own feast, baby. Throw your own party. My wife and I were just talking about this last night. It's like, uh, we're, we're just going to decide to throw a party. We want to just throw a party with our friends just to celebrate all God's done in our lives. Why not? Why, why are we waiting for other people to do it? You don't need an official holiday to celebrate. I'll just give you an idea right now. Many of us have spiritual um, or baptism birthdays. Times where, you know, we know that there was a moment in our life where we came to God, whether it was at a camp or a Sunday morning, or a conference, or whatever, man, you got to just take time and celebrate what God has done in your life. Reflect back on that time. Bring some people together and say, after service today, we're going out for lunch, and we're celebrating all God's done in your life and mine. Be intentional. Create a culture of celebration. Do this with family and friends. If you think, I don't know, we can't go out to eat. Skip McDonald's meals. 
Be intentional. Skip those fast food meals so that you can save up and be ready to go and celebrate God's powerful work in your life. This will resist cynicism and a culture that says the world has something more to offer than the church. What a lie of the enemy. We're going to talk a little bit more about his lies in a moment. But I'll just tell you this right now. The world's always telling you that, um, that your feelings are right and the word of God isn't. They're going to find little passive ways of telling you that. But man, don't allow that. Don't allow that, that culture to get into your life. Resist that. Celebrate. We should be celebrators. My family always did a great job of this. That they wouldn't just tell us, good job. Um, you know, if something good happened, it'd be like, you know, you did this or this happened for this person. So tonight we're doing Toonie Tuesday for all the family at KFC. You, you guys know what Toonie Tuesday is? If you don't, your parents obviously weren't church planners. <laughs> Toonie Tuesday is how you celebrate on a budget, my friend. Um, I, I don't know if they still do it with inflation. Maybe it's too Toonie Tuesday. Uh, but... Uh, you know, just make a big deal about when your loved ones are doing well. This will create a culture of celebration in your life. When you bring others into that space, you start to create a culture. You'll start to create a group of celebrators around you. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. How many people want more of the Holy Spirit operating in their life? I know I do, right? And we don't have to over-spiritualize it. Um, and he, he can do all sorts of things, but I just encourage you. If you want to just examine yourself, of if, is the Holy Spirit operating? Well, is joy operating? The fruit will be joy. You know, this week we just we had somebody coming in to work on the church, and he was, uh, or he was working on some stuff at the church, and he uh, was here. He doesn't go to our church. He doesn't go to church at all. Came in and here to work on something. And I just loved his sort of, uh, his sort of curious position towards us. Um, you know, often, sometimes I think we're, we're a little bit, uh, terrified to maybe uh, uh, invite people to church because we're worried about their response. Um, or we're worried about if they'll say no. Who cares if they say no? You say no to people all the time. Um, and, well, I hope you do. Um, but, uh, but this guy just, he came in and every time I checked on him with what he was working on, he would just begin the conversation, continue the conversation of, okay, so you guys just, you just come in here on Sundays and you just hang out? And you just, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Answered a couple questions, talked him through a little bit. Next time I saw him, he's like, okay, so what about through the week? Do you guys do some stuff through the week too? I think, yeah, we got some groups, we got some youth groups. Oh, that's cool. That's, I like that. You know, the next time I talked to him, so you got to be a, a member? You just like, you, you have to get like a membership? Like, where do you sign up? Like, how do you do that? It was just so cool that every time I talked to him, his, his position towards us wasn't, oh, church people. You know, shouldn't you, shouldn't you be using the money to do this to go feed homeless people or something? Would you guys just gather together? Sorry, I'm getting a little too intense. That's, <laughs> people say that to me, and I, dear Lord. Um, but you know, sometimes that can be a response, but this person's response was curiosity. This person's response was, I'm interested in this. Why do I think that is? He interacted with a lot of us. He, you know, he, 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 saw the, he, he knows a couple people that I know. And he sees the joy on our life. He sees how there's something different about us. He sees how we're full of the Holy Spirit. And he's interested in that. Come on, there's a, there's a culture of celebration that draws people to Jesus. Our lives are not perfect. And if we're not careful, we can get familiar with God's goodness and all he's done in our lives. But come on, we got to celebrate how good God is. And in 1 Peter 4.13, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when fiery ordeals come along and test you. 
Doesn't mean God's not good, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. And you don't have to force it. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's present in every single believer's life. Come on, just cultivate that, that culture around you. Cynicism is killing our nation. I mean, it's destroying people's hearts. You know, uh, and when you really start to believe all that God can do for you, all that God is for you, how much he loves you so much, how much he accepts you as you are, here's what the enemies will try to do. He'll try and get you to question God and his goodness. I know that because that's what he did with Eve back in Genesis chapter 3. What's he do? He'll, he, you know, Eve's just sort of living her life. And, 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 and what, what's he do to Eve? He said, did God really say? Like, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? No, that's not what he said. He, you know, he, he, he said that uh, we, we don't eat from this tree specifically. But that's what the enemy does. He, he gets you going, did God really say? That's the lie behind all lies. That's his win. That's how he wins. He gets you to question God. He wants you to be separated from the presence of God. The enemy will want you to think, is church really important? Do you really have a whole hour for that every week? It sounds silly. That's a long drive. Okay? You live in Summerside. <laughs> like, that's far. Um... But that's how the enemy works. He gets you to question, did God really say? Man, church is important because it's packed full of people who are full of the Holy Spirit. And the God of hope fills us with joy and peace so that we can overflow with hope into others. Filled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy would just say, did God really say? And he will use that to keep you cynical about the impact of the church in your life. But he'll use that to keep you separate from the presence of God as well. The other thing the enemy will do is he'll get you um, to question the importance of holiness and the standards of holiness. It's important for you to be holy because that's what God has, call, has called us to. And, and, and that's why holiness is so important because it's, it's so important to have God's presence in your life as well, to be connected with God that way. And so the enemy will get you to question the importance of it so that he can get you separate from God. And then we see him questioning the standards of holiness. And we see all kinds of believers getting into messed up, ugly theology because why? They believe the lies of the enemy and they decide to discount the standards of holiness. And say, oh, you, you know what? That, that People are translating that wrong. They don't know Greek uh, very well. And they, they just don't understand the standard. Things have changed. It's 2022, guys. Just be more known. And we want to celebrate. Celebrate the importance of God's church. Celebrate the importance of holiness. This is a, a good thing to be a part of. It's, a, it's, it's, it's good to be connected to God. It's good to live up to his standards because, because his ways are higher than us. He's got a better life than we can imagine. He doesn't want us to go through the, the crap we put ourselves through. Celebrate the, the importance of that. One of the enemy's chief goals has always been
question the goodness of God. Man, God's the same God that created the earth and it was good. It's the same God that wants the best for your life and for mine. And the lie of the enemy is that the word of God is not accurate. It's not the ultimate truth. Your feelings are, but that's not true. Your feelings come and go. Your feelings change. The word of God stays the same, has been forever. When we choose celebration as a discipline and as a culture in our lives, we resist all that other negativity and cynicism and nastiness, and we bring the glory of God into the world around us by celebrating. Can I just read you this quote to end the service? Is that okay? You guys cool with that? Okay. Just check it. All right. You're still with me. It's by John Ortberg. We will not understand God until we understand this about Him. God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrows. Jesus is remembered, among other things, as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is His temporary response to a fallen world. That sorrow will be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. God is the happiest being in the universe. God, thank you so much for how you've been looking after us, covering us, protecting us. Thank you for, thank you for your love that Maybe we don't fully understand it all the time because we don't understand. Maybe we just don't understand love and we're, we're learning and we're, we're, we're growing every day. I pray we grow every day towards you, Lord God, that it would be our desire to want to be in your presence. Ultimately, that's, that's our desire, to, to be in the presence of God, to be close to you. So God, we just ask right now that you would reveal yourself to us. Thank you that you are that Father that runs to us. That when you see that our hearts are headed in the right direction towards you, when we've given you the opportunity to to speak into us, that you run towards us. We just ask right now that you just come and be with us this week. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence, for your love for your acceptance of us as we are. I just want to pray for anyone who's here who, um, you know, you, you know that Jesus died for your sins, and, and, uh, but you know you're not living for him right now. Uh, maybe you've made the decision before and fallen away and it's time to reconnect, or maybe you haven't made this decision ever before. You're either in the room or online and you know it's time. The Bible says it's very simple. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You'll be saved. Eternal life is, is sure for you. Um, and I just ask that you repeat after me because you, you know you believe in your heart. It's time to confess with your mouth and make this decision. Just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you're Lord and God raised you from the dead. And from now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for what God's done here. 
Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.